It's time to get away. And to help get you there, it's Travel Bags with Anita and Friends. From around the world to across Georgia, she covers it all. Here's the host of Travel Bags, Anita Thomas. Hello, 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 and welcome aboard Travel Bags with Anita and Friends. Traveling food, traveling food. You know, that's one of the things I love about traveling is because I love to travel and I love to eat. And those two go together so, so well. And, you know, I have a buddy, Doc Bill, who's always sitting in with me, and he's a big foodie. I mean, he loves to eat all the time, loves to cook. Also loves to grow the food. I mean, he's a foodie all around, I mean, from start to finish. So Doc Bill is joining me on the telephone today because he's out there running around doing things, probably doing some things with food, like at the garden, at his farm down on the coast, growing that sugar cane and uh, Sapporo Island red peas. So Doc Bill, I'm glad you could join us. Well, I'm definitely glad to be here and talk about one of my favorite things, which is food. You know, I like food from the beginning to the end. And I like going to restaurants and restaurants that can do good dishes. I think there's so many good restaurants out there. You shouldn't go to a bad restaurant unless there's no other place to eat. <laughs> I know. But, you know, you shouldn't eat just to, you know, cure the, uh, you know, the hunger. It should be enjoyable, you know. And I like, you know, even dinners where you have with friends where you can sit and have conversation and enjoy just the time together. I mean, that's part of the eating experience, too. Well, it's one of the best parts, the fellowship with other people and, you know, and just giving thanks for what you're eating. Because when you eat something on that table, you know, there was someone who had to grow that food. Someone had to make sure that food got from where it was grown to a market. And then someone who basically, you know, put it up in that market and then you wouldn't buy it. So there were a lot of people involved in that process before you finally got it at that restaurant. Not to mention the cook that finally took that food and prepared it the way that you ate it. That is true. That is true. And I, I find more and more that I also like to thank the animals that gave their lives for us to have that food as well. Uh, we can't and lose sight of that as well. It's not just the chicken pieces that we get at the store. That uh, came from an animal. That one. Well, that's true. And in many, in many hunter-gatherer societies, whenever an animal is killed, there's some ritual of atonement that's given after the animal's been sacrificed. Before the hunters take the animal home, they, do, they perform a ritual right at that site and give thanks for the animal laying down its life um, when they order for them to have that substance which sustains the tribe and the group. And um, that's something that you must always look, you know, we try to keep perspective. I, I totally, totally agree with that. And I think uh, we may lose a little bit of that perspective today because uh, we are not, you know, hunting and searching and doing things like that, you know, for our food. So we can lose sight of that, but we must keep it in mind somewhere. But, you know, Dr. Bill, you brought up something, you know, just a second ago where you said, you know, no bad meals. So how do you find and choose a great local restaurant? Do you have any tips for that? Because I can definitely say that I have been in cities and I'm just pacing back and forth, walking down the street, and I'm just not really sure. And, you know, I want a really great meal and I don't want to miss that opportunity also to have a good meal in a great location. Any tips? Well, things you can look for that are kind of helpful when you look for finding a good. So one thing you can look at is you can look for long lines. Long lines mean two things. Number one, <laughs> it's the only restaurant there. <laughs> Number two, they have really good food. And so hopefully it's the one with really good food, and that's what you're going for. 
I agree with you about that long line. I mean, if if it's popular, and especially if it looks like it's popular with the local people as opposed to the tourists, I agree with you. That's a really good sign. So you want to put a check mark there. But, you know, if you don't like standing in long lines and you have a little bit of time, maybe that's one that you can call and check and see if you can make reservations for another night or another time uh, and go back when the lines are not so long. But a lot of times those places with long lines don't have reservations. They don't. And ask the cook or the person that's there that's serving you the food if you're the restaurant that you hear is good. What's your best dish? And ask them, is it really good? You know, um, sometimes they'll tell you, well, it's not really good. And, you know, <laughs> this is actually better. And sometimes people give you some really good information. That I find that to be quite helpful. I agree with you. Speaking about asking people about what's good, you know, what about at the hotel where you're staying? Or if you're, you know, doing a vacation rental with the person that is helping you make those arrangements at the vacation rental, you know, the people who live there, why not ask them a question as well? They're usually very happy to share that information. People like to talk about their favorite foods. That's their favorite thing to talk about. Well, they do. And a lot of times they'll ask you because they, you know, usually people will know where you're from and some idea where you're from. They'll know whether you like eating the local food. And sometimes people do want to eat the local food. And sometimes you don't. There may be certain things that the locals love to eat that you just have an aversion to. You just say, you know, I do not like uh, pig testicles. I do not like mountain, 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 Rocky Mountain oysters. Mm-hmm. And there may be other dishes that they may say you may like and they may say, hey, you know, you say, I like that. <laughs> well, that's a good way to start off. And I agree with you on that. Absolutely. There's some things that I just put on the list that you don't have to eat, and I think that would go go there. But, uh, but you know, there's some other suggestions as well for finding a great restaurant. And one that I really like to do, and that is check in with some of the food blogs, because food blogs are really huge now. There are a lot of people that are not just doing it casually. They're really, really very professional with this. The food bloggers, the food editors for some of the magazines, all of those folks really know where to find the great the great foods, the great eats in the town. Well, that's true, and that's something that you know look look into, get good information, uh, new restaurants, and again, you know, certain type of foods that you're looking at. Certain locations will tell you where you want to go. If you're into the coast, you're looking to eat seafood usually. If you're going up to certain mountainous regions and this is known for its for its pork or its beef or its lamb, then take advantage of those in places. That's absolutely true. You know, so you want to eat what's local there, what the locals are eating, provided you don't have any allergies or don't have any problems and things like that with it. You know, there's something else, too, that I always think about. I try to avoid those restaurants, those eateries, cafes, those things that are near the tourist attractions, because my take on that is that those restaurants don't have to work to be busy. You know, they're going to get the people that want to grab a bite before starting whatever the attraction is, going to the museum or going on the, you know, the the rides or whatever with the family. So they're going to get the people that are wanting to do that. So they really don't have to work hard for the great customer service or to do those kind of things. They're going to get the business. So I tend to think of them as not, I'm not trying to say they're substandard or anything like that, but they just are not having to put in, I don't think, as much work as, say, the neighborhood cafe or the neighborhood restaurant that depends on that repeat customer, that local person coming back and having that repeat business. So they have to get the customer service right. They have to get the meals right in order to get that repeat business. And so another place to remember is farmer's markets. So like if you're in Atlanta, the Peachtree Farmer's Market. It's the biggest market there. Not only do you have good produce, but you also have people uh, 
who set up and they do um, homemade crepes. They will be doing homemade pizzas using those fresh farm ingredients. You can get a whole meal, lunch, and a breakfast there at a very good price and very, very fresh. Within Hawaii, there's Hawaiian farmer's markets. When you know other countries, the farmer's markets are a great source to get a meal. They're not that they're um, very inexpensive. And you know most of these farmers are going to be getting fresh ingredients because these people are using what mm-hmm. they get locally from their um, local farms and stuff to, to put in their dishes. You know, that's a really, really good tip, and you're right about that. A lot of times we think we're just going to the farmer's market, grabbing something that we're going to take back and prepare at home. But that is a good place to have uh, have a meal as well. Right. But, you know, Dr. Bill, I recently did something I think is really a super idea for finding local great places to eat, and that is I took a uh, culinary tour, our food tour. They're called, you know, different things. But what it is is it's an opportunity for you to do a walking tour around the city, try some of the different restaurants that are part of that tour. And usually there are selected restaurants that are part of the tour. And you get a chance to try sometimes their favorite dish or maybe something new that the chef is trying. That is an excellent, excellent idea and way for you to try several restaurants and find a favorite, maybe one you can go back and have a full meal. That sounds pretty neat. And most cities have these tours, so just whatever city you're going to, you can really just Google that, actually, and look for walking tours, uh, culinary tours, food tours, those type tours that will give you that experience and then help you make that decision. And then even if you're not trying something that, you know, nothing's kind of, you know, hitting your fancy there, that tour guide obviously loves food and loves talking about food because they're a tour guide for a culinary tour. So ask them to suggest some place for for dinner or for lunch the next day. So great idea. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's like asking cat tat, um, you know, what's the Uber driver or or taxi um, taxi drivers. They can be a great source of great food to eat and particularly different times of the day and where to go. Don't be shy. (laughs) Now, Dr. (laughs) Bill, we're coming down to the bottom of this segment, so I want you to sit tight because when we come back, I want to talk about that food tour that I just did. Now, the show today is brought to you by the Sapelo Island Birdhouses down on beautiful Sapelo Island, Georgia. Check out their website at sapeloislandbirdhouses.com or give them a call at 912-223-6515. And we'll be back in a few minutes with more talk about food and travel. My filet mignon is a little overdone, but I'm going to eat it, eat it anyway. The chef is new. I don't know what to do. Somebody please tell me what to say.